May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, this is one of the Gospels in which uh, it's hard to respond. Uh, the Gospel of the Lord prays to you, Lord Christ, because it ends with Jesus telling his apostles that they should call themselves worthless servants. These stories, these sayings of Jesus, these words of Jesus, the mustard seed, about the mustard seed, and the slave are surprisingly about forgiveness and the nature of faith. The mustard seed and the servant parables are Jesus' response to the disciples' request that he increase their faith. And you can't blame them for trying to get even more from Jesus. Because right before they asked him to increase their faith, right before that, Jesus has told them that they have to forgive over and over and over again. And if they can't do what apostles are supposed to do, if they become a stumbling block to anyone in the faith, that it would be better for them to tie a stone around their neck and jump into the water. That's pretty hardcore. I would ask for more faith as well. Give me the faith to do what is right. What Jesus was teaching them were things that are hard for us even today. Not surprises, but hard. He was telling them to love their enemies, to bless those who curse them, to forgive even when it is not deserved, to give without expecting anything in return, and to be ready to take up your cross. You can't blame the apostles for trying. This mustard seed saying is in two Gospels. And the first, in the, Matthew, in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus responds with these words to their request to increase their faith, but the apostles request faith because they're having trouble healing. They're having a really hard time casting out a demon. In fact, they failed. And so in the Gospel of Matthew, when Jesus tells them these words, when Jesus speaks these words to them, it is in response to their desire to be able to heal more. But here in Luke, Jesus' words are in response to the, the, the disciples, the apostles, his followers, wish to be able to bear the burden of forgiveness. They ask because they think that they will be unable to forgive. When you read, why not we read these parables and the words about the mustard seeds of the first part of the gospel? You have to think about tone. You know, and Jesus very well could be irritated with his disciples, and his tone could 
sound a little mean or a little harsh. Maybe, maybe his tone is saying that asking the disciples, why don't you have faith as big as a mustard seed? Chastising them, saying, if you had more faith, you could do this or that. But maybe his tone, if you switch it, if you think about it more neutrally or even emphatically positive, he could be saying that you already have enough faith to do whatever you need to do. You already have enough faith. You already have enough. The faith that you have is enough, whether you think it's insufficient or not. Somebody wrote that in this saying, Jesus changes the, 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 the question the questions the apostles ask from how much faith is enough to what is faith for? He says to them, you already have enough faith. Now use it. However much you think you have, use that. Do what you can. I know what I'm asking is hard, but it's more important than pulling up a mulberry tree and casting it into the sea. I'm asking you to live a life of faith that God has gifted you, that you have already said yes to. These words about the mustard seed, I think, are a reminder that faith is not quantifiable. It is a way of life that God has shown us as a way to live together so that we build each other up, that we do not destroy each other. That we work as signs of the reign of God, as the kingdom of God, together. Someone wrote that faith is not to be stockpiled in a storehouse for the working of spiritual miracles or wonders, but it is to be lived out as obedience to a just and loving God in any way you can, big or small, whatever opportunities come your way, whatever opportunities you create for loving your enemies, blessing those who curse you, forgiving even when it's not deserved, forgiving without expecting anything in return, and for being ready and bearing your cross. These words about the mustard seed, I believe Jesus is saying that faith is not to be measured. It's to be enacted. It's to be lived. I had a little bit more of a struggle with the sayings about the master and the slave. Because it is so unlike Jesus to speak harshly about the poor, about the oppressed, about the imprisoned, and especially about the enslaved. Why does he use that example? And one thing to take into consideration is who he is addressing. He is not addressing the enslaved. He is addressing, he is speaking these words to his disciples who are free 
are saved, who know Christ and follow him. He is speaking these words directly to his disciples. It's still hard to hear in our modern ears. And I've read to try to explain these words that in the Greco-Roman world, in that society, the question he asks about would you uh, compliment or give thanks to your slave for just doing his job, that in that world, that question would be answered with a resounding, of course not. But I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I think there must have been people with different opinions about slavery in Jesus' time. People must have had different opinions about using human beings as material wealth. But the claim is, the claim is that the question is a rhetorical device, a way to get a certain response. It would be like asking a question everybody knows the answer to today. So, it would be like asking in Houston, does anybody not want the Astros to win? <laughs> Don't answer yes, if that's what you think. No. It would be like asking in Houston, does anybody want another hurricane? Of course not. Jesus uses the logic of the system to describe the nature of what ought to be done. Just do what you're supposed to do. Love your enemy. Bless those who curse you. Forgive even when it's not deserved. Give without expecting anything in return. Be ready to take up your cross. And he knows that it is hard. It's still not easy to hear that last half of the gospel today. This week... There's been a lot of news around a case in Dallas. A man, an African-American man, both of them Jean, was shot to death in his own apartment. And the ex-police officer, a white woman, Amber Geiger, was found guilty. And... Botham's brother hugged her and forgave her. And this picture went all over the place. And some held it up as a, as a model of Christian forgiveness. And yet, and yet some people had a lot of questions about why that was held up as a model of Christian forgiveness, and by whom? It seems like maybe forgiveness would take a little longer to take root and be real when you're talking about the death of a loved one. There are Christians, good Christians, who can't forgive 
as quickly or as easily. And that doesn't make them any less Christian. Rowan Williams, in response to a mother, a Christian mother who was having a very hard time forgiving, forgiving the murder of her daughter, the man who murdered her daughter, said, Jesus did not say when he was on the cross, Father, forgive, I forgive them. Jesus didn't say, I forgive them. He said, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. And that's a model for those of us who wish to forgive. Know that that's what disciples do, but find it very, very difficult in situations where we have been so gravely hurt. Father, forgive. Not I forgive. Forgiveness is a necessary but complicated problem. Necessary but complicated grace. Necessary for the person wrong to be freed from anger and hate and resentment. To live another life without whoever or whatever has been lost. And it is difficult. It doesn't make you any less Christian to struggle with forgiveness. But somehow, some way, we are to try to be open, understanding the dynamics of race and class and gender and every model that we hold up still for our own sake. God wants us liberated from hate. In the traditional confession, we ask for absolution. We ask for forgiveness. We say we have left undone those things which we ought to have done. And we say that every week because we know sometimes we will fall short of the standard that our faith asks of us. Every week, built into the liturgy, we say these words or others like it. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done. The disciples ask Jesus to increase their faith because they don't think that they can forgive. But Jesus reminds them that faith is less about personal fortitude or virtue and more about mutual forbearance, helping each other towards the goals, towards the vision, towards the ideal, walking with each other through the pain, through the injustice, not leading each other into the valley of the shadow of death, but walking with each other in the light and love and grace of 
God. I always think about the Paschal candle at Easter Vigil when I read about the mustard seed and I read the disciples asking to increase their faith and I think about it because we're always so worried that the light is going to go out like something awful is going to happen you know not we'll just light it again if it goes out but but we just we're so worried that we hold it with our bulletins and we wrap our hands around it trying to protect it from the wind. We do that on other occasions as well, with birthday candles or with the baptismal candle. And if we try to guard that flickering flame, to protect it between our two hands, to protect it so that it doesn't burn out, we've only done what we think we ought to do. It's not some major sign or wonder, but it's a carefulness. It's a carefulness that that small flicker is enough. In our gospel today, Jesus is saying that if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can do what needs to be done. And what did Jesus use his faith and his power for? He healed, he liberated, he multiplied, he fed, he blessed, he restored, he comforted. And he did all that to point to the mission and the purpose of the reign of God and the kingdom that Jesus inaugurated. And today's story reminds us, the epistle reminds us, that we have not been given a spirit of cowardice, but a spirit of power and love and of self-discipline. And the stories today, the parables, the words, remind us of our own call. With however much faith we have, our own call, with whatever faith we have, which is enough to heal, liberate, multiply, feed, bless, restore, and comfort. And I would add, and question. Amen.